Okay, everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that. And we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not going to be the podcast you want to listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels because we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine because it's five o'clock somewhere and let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminary. Hey everyone, we hope that you're having an amazing week and we're looking forward to our chat today with Catherine Pluta. Kat and I have known each other indirectly because she's actually one of the instructors at Breathe, so I typically see her every Friday morning around nine o'clock. But we got to know each other a little bit more when I did a series earlier in the year at Breathe Yoga Studio where I learned a lot more about nutrition. So Kat is going to be our resident expert today as she just recently received her master's in science and applied clinical nutrition. Congrats and welcome, Kat. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Yay. So I guess we started talking about this a little bit earlier, but Mm -hmm. I am ignorant and did not realize the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. So why don't we start there? Because in my mind, it's all the same. Yeah. So um, typically a dietitian is is a more common term that you heard, you hear, because in like a hospital world, it's it's typically more um, heard like a clinical dietitian or a a clinical nutritionist, but um, so the school that I attended for my master's, it's very adamant about producing nutritionists. And then for me personally, when I was looking into um, getting my master's, I felt more drawn to being a nutritionist as opposed to a dietitian, just because of the root words. Um, it had nothing to do with like hmm. what they are, but for me personally, I know that from experience, when you think of the word diet, it typically has a more negative um, feel to it. Mm-hmm. When people hear like, oh, a diet, it's more like, oh, I'm going to be restricted from something or um, something's going to be taken away from me. Right. And it can often have very, um, not, not the best triggers. And um, so when you think of nutrition, which is the root word of nutritionist, you got a more positive vibe. Like nutrition really makes you feel like whole or like you're being given something like fruits or whole foods. So that for me was what drew me to being a nutritionist as opposed to a dietitian. But um, then the difference between an actual dietitian and a nutritionist is really just like the schooling, what we learn, and then also um, our licensing. So a dietitian has to get a different license than a nutritionist. And oftentimes, um, a dietitian would 
be at a different job than a nutritionist. Hmm. So a lot of times um, nutritionists can um, practice without even being licensed at all, or but a dietitian can't. So um, typically you'll see, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's different and, and it's similar to like a law degree where like each place is going to have a different um, board exam or a different um, licensing requirement. So it, it's kind of cool. It makes me feel a little bit more official. And I'm in the process now of working on getting my, um, my license for um, a nutritionist. So, and that's called a CNS, so a clinical nutritionist specialist. Which means you can do what? So I could work in a hospital if I wanted. Um, that's really where I want to be. I mean, my, my dream job would be working with kids, but right now there isn't an area for me there. So I am trying to first work a few years in a hospital and then hopefully find my, my place in a school. Very interesting. Okay. As a nutritionist in the school. Yeah. So, um, my dream is that one day schools will have a more integrative health program. So right now I think it's only like one grade of a high school is taught health. And I think it's typically like the 10th grade, I think that is taught health. And I feel like every kid should be learning an aspect of health um, every year, whether it's nutrition, whether it's um, biochemistry, whether it's, even just like yoga and wellness mm -hmm. and like how to feed, feed your soul meditation. I feel like it's all interlaced and, and especially being a kid, not knowing how to like feed your body is huge. Yeah. I think that would be huge. I mean, my kids are seven and 10, right? Eight and 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, and I know for my 10 year old, you know, I talked to her a lot about it, but school does a little bit, right? They, they've dabbled in, like my son did a few meditation classes and they talk a little bit about health and they talk about it, um, I think in gym, but I, I do agree with you. It'd be awesome to have more of a presence. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know about, about you. That's really cool. Yeah. And I've always been fascinated with like kids because that's when our palates are developed when we're, when we're, I think it's like the months, uh, four months to eight months as a baby is when you develop your palate. So um, that right there, like what mothers are feeding their children is going to develop their habits and their tastes for the rest of their lives. So if like a mother is feeding their four month to eight month old, something with sugar, artificial sugar in it, then that's going to develop their addiction to sugar right there. And if a mother is feeding their child things with like turmeric or like garlic, that's going to develop their palate to be more inclined to like those kinds of things. Well, it's really funny that you say that because I actually breastfed my kids until they were nine or 10 months old. So during yeah. four to eight year timeframes or four to eight month time frame you're talking about, obviously they were just getting breast milk, but I was eating extremely healthy after my daughter was born. And one of the things that um, I would eat a lot of was salmon. And it was shocking to me that when she actually started to eat and could eat whole foods, how much she loved salmon. So much so that for her first birthday, when I asked her what, you know, like, what do you want to eat for dinner? She chose salmon. We made salmon and couscous <laughs> for her for her first birthday. Um, oh my gosh. So I firmly do believe that. I mean, obviously it's for most four to eight month olds, it's not solid foods, but 
I think whatever yeah. I was eating was obviously passing through to her and, and affecting her taste buds. So it's awesome. Oh, entirely. So then as a nutritionist, mm -hmm. we were talking a little bit about focusing on, or if there's a focus on what you should eat for your age. And this actually came because you were proactive and asking a few people, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to be on this podcast. Does anybody have a question? And why don't, what was, what was the topic in question again that you had been receiving? So, yeah. So a lot of people actually had the same question. So, um, one person in particular brought up that now she's in her fifties and she's noticing that a lot of her weight is being stored in certain areas. And I think as women, we definitely notice it a lot more in our bellies and like around our hips and just like in that general area. And um, she was saying that it's not that she's gaining weight, like her weight number is staying the same, but it's just being stored in a different place. And she feels like it's only going to that place. So now that <laughs> she's, yeah. And so now like her pants aren't fitting or like her clothes just aren't fitting right. And she hates it, but she doesn't know what to do about it. She feels like her diet is fine. It's not like anything out of the ordinary or she doesn't think that she's changed anything significantly. It's just her body and her age has changed, which is very interesting. So is there some truth something to that? that's common? Yeah, it happens. But um, that's important to me because I mean, as a lot of the listeners know, I'm turning 40 in July and I do feel Something like to be excited about. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I am. I, I do feel like things are shifting. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But I, I, you know what? I as it happens, I all of a sudden stop myself and go, Gina, it's all in your head. Like, just get out of your head. Go do something different. You know, do a yoga, do a meditation, go take a run. You'll be fine, right? Like, so I just yeah. tell myself it's all in my head. But is it not? <laughs> I mean, as as we age, our bodies do change. And um, a lot of times I find that the perception of a healthy diet is different to everybody. Hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of things that we don't even realize that we're doing that could easily be um, something that, that we could either put in or take out that can make a world of a difference. But well, um, I, I, always tell, I always tell people that abs are made in the kitchen. So when I teach my yoga class, I always joke with my students like, oh, they're made in the kitchen. We don't need to do abs here. <laughs> we'll move along. <laughs> but um, they really are. So the things that you're eating and putting in your body are, are going to be the things that ultimately um, shape the rest of it. So, um, so first and foremost, things like walnuts, those are like a huge fat burner, um, belly fat in particular. And, um, I also always say, take a look at your saturated fat intake because a lot of people don't realize like, Oh, the whole craze about coconut oil is like God's gift to the world. And you can put it in your hair and put it on your face and put it in anything and it makes your life better. But it's actually like a huge misconception. Think about it. It's just pure saturated fat. Pretty much any oil is just saturated fat. And it's not, I think it's like one tablespoon is like, I think it takes like, um, I, I, don't know, I can't remember it. I like calculated one tablespoon of a saturated fat is like a certain amount of miles in a run. 
I wanted to say it was like five or six. I can't remember, but it was like something obscene. And, um, yikes. Yeah, I know. Right. So then you think about that. It's like, well, I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm, I'm taking olive oil. It's coming from a vegetable. Why is it so unhealthy for me? But if you think about how you're getting that set, that oil, it's, you're really taking that olive, which is good and healthy and a vegetable, but you're just squeezing all of the saturated fat out of it and bottling it up. And then you're using it to cook your food in. And it's just not as necessary as you think. So all the good stuff, all the fiber, all the nutrients are left behind and put in the trash. So that's an interesting thing that you chose olives as an example, because I love olives. I love oh, yeah. a lot of olives. I love, I would prefer to eat the olive than have olive oil, which I, sounds like that's a good thing. Yeah. But are those not the best or they're fine? I mean, some oils are better than others, but I would say all oils are, are, I mean, they're a saturated fat, no matter what, where, which way you look at it. Hmm. Okay. In my opinion. And what about eating like whole olives? Like, black oh yeah, go for it. Okay. And then to circle back around to this walnuts thing, that's an interesting thing because I thought it was supposed to be like almonds. Wasn't it almonds? I mean, almonds are, I mean, every, every nut is good for a different thing. So I like, um, almonds are a great source of calcium. So, um, this is always a funny one. So when someone has like, um, heartburn, I always say eat an almond or eat some almonds or they're also really great for migraines too, which is, um, another thing that people aren't aware of. I'm, I'm like, I love that um, when you have like any sort of issue, like a headache or sort of inflammation, my favorite thing is to try and like go to Wegmans and be like, what's going to cure me in the whole food area? Like grabbing an almond or grabbing like a certain amount of tea or something like that. That's my pharmacy as opposed to going for the Advil or whatever else. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So walnuts good for belly fat. Did not know. Oh yeah. Legumes too, like beans and things like that. Huh. So then is there some truth to eating for your age or should like, should the 20 year old be focusing on the same things as the 50 year old? Um, it, I guess it depends on the individual. Um, not every 20 year old is doing the same things. So I'm saying, so I I guess if you're a very active 20 year old and you're out running around and running marathons and doing this and that, you're going to eat differently than the 20 year old that sits on their couch playing video games. Mm -hmm. But then again, there's 50 year olds running marathons. So their diet's going to be very similar to a a 20 year old running the marathon. So is metabolism a part of this too? Oh, for sure. Because someone was like, oh, man, like your metabolism's going to stop when you turn 40. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) No, it doesn't stop. (laughs) Man, I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) But our our metabolism is based on a lot of our habits that we we create. Like I know for me, I sometimes while I'm working at at Breathe, like I'll be in the juice bar running around doing all this stuff. and And then like six hours will go by and I completely forgot to like, eat lunch or something. And that right there, it's not even a conscious thing, but that's going to affect my metabolism. 
it's like a fire. Your metabolism constantly needs to be stoked. So every time that you eat something, you're putting another um, log on the fire to keep it burning. Ooh, then this will be interesting. So then what's your take on the intermittent fasting? So I have mixed ideas on it. I, I think that for certain um, people, it's, it's going to be really, really good for them. Like people that are prone to Alzheimer's are, uh, are typically better um, suited for the intermittent fasting because it, it really helps with the brain function and activity and keeping it alert. But I, I'm, I'm very adamant about treating the person, not the problem. And I feel like every person is different. So intermittent fasting might work for you, but it might not work for me based on my body and my habits and the things I do. So I didn't do it for the longest time and I've probably been doing it for about two months now. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I hate it and I don't know if I love it. I'm just trying it and giving it enough time. But I was the type of person that would have like a smoothie in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, then at 10 o'clock, I'd have another snack. At noon, I'd have my lunch. At three o'clock, I'd have another snack. At dinner, I'd have, you know, five or six. And then I'd try to stop eating at eight, try being the operative word there, but whatever. Yeah. But I would eat lots of little meals um, and just keep track of what I was eating. Right. But now... Mm -hmm. I don't eat anything from 8 p.m., which is actually a godsend because that's when I would probably take most of my calories until yeah. noon the next day. But I've worked out in between there. I mean, I have a lot of tea and I'm not starving. My body is like, I'm cool with this. Yeah, um, it adjusts. It does. And then I eat. I, I've gotten better because for a while I thought it was like I've, I had a blank check. I could eat whatever I wanted, which didn't work. So now I'm you know, eating healthier between 12 and 8. But I do, I'm like wondering in my head, and, and this is where like get out of my own way, I'm wondering if it is impacting my metabolism because my body for so long has been used to eating every two or three hours, even if it was a bag of carrots and hummus, but it was something mm -hmm. to your point to fuel the fire. And now I'm curious, like, is there, is there any proof to what I'm doing? Like, is there value here? Because I don't know if I'm Alzheimer's prone. <laughs> yeah. I, I, seem, I seem more awake and I seem perfectly fine, but... I'm a morning person anyway, so it's not like I've got a ton more energy than I typically did. So I'm still trying to mm -hmm. figure this one out. Well, you almost answered it yourself by saying during the time in the morning that you're not eating, you don't feel hungry. No, I don't. So that means, yeah. So your metabolism has adjusted and is like, okay, it's break time. But I don't want it to slow down. <laughs> I want my metabolism yeah. during that time to be like, woo. <laughs> I don't think that it's yeah, I don't think like the rate as at that it's working has necessarily changed, but the the time that it's like active is now during that period. If that, that makes sense. I wish there was a way to calculate metabolism speed. Is there such well, a Well there is. Yeah. It's called a um a basal metabolic rate. Your oh. BMR. Yeah. So typically um, when I have a client come in, I always calculate that for them. And everybody's BMR is different. So yeah. And, and like there's like little cheats too. If you're like, oh, I really want to figure this out. You can just Google BMR calculator and something will pop up. How accurate is it though? It's pretty accurate. Okay. Yeah. All it takes is like your age gender, weight, height, 
and then it can calculate it. Yeah, but like if I wanted to take it at eight o'clock in the morning when I'm fasting versus 4 p.m. in the afternoon when I'm apparently not. Well, it... well, your BMR isn't going to change at the time of day because your, oh. your, your rate is what it is. Seriously? It'll only, yeah, it'll only change like when you gain weight, lose weight, your age changes, that. Oh, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I thought it changed throughout the day. Not the BMR, not the basal metabolic rate. Oh. Yeah. And then it also like will tell you like how many calories that you like can, should be eating. It's pretty cool. Ah, I'm going to have to look this up. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So for the There's question we got. a little got, trick. I like it. So for the, <laughs> for the person who had asked about, you know, things sitting differently on her, you know, how would you respond to her? Yeah. So I would definitely tell her to take a look at the things she's eating, the times that she's eating them. And then, um, also really looking at like what she can implement differently. So maybe if she is like, Oh, I've never really noticed that I don't, I don't really I eat in the morning and then like, I'll go like six hours without eating. Maybe that, um, changing it to like, putting in a couple little snacks during that six hour gap, like maybe like a handful of almonds every, so like, like every one hour or something, just joke that fire or, oh, I never realized, like, I don't really have a lot of beans or legumes or walnuts or any of that in my diet, but I do have a ton of saturated fat. Like I put oil on everything and I cook in my oil and and it's a lot of the things that we don't realize until we put our awareness on it and it makes a world of a difference. Unless it's me and it's like 3.30 in the afternoon and I'm stoking my fire with Swedish fish. Yeah, it also depends on <laughs> what we're stoking the fire with. <laughs> but everyone, everyone deserves a little treat here and there. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's my downfall is sugar, which is hard. Yeah, not, it's an addiction. Not all sugar for me is created equal, but I am a gummy candy fanatic. Yeah. Um, I can walk right past chocolate cake like it's no one's business, but for whatever reason, when I've got a craving and there's jelly beans or you know gummy worms or gummy bears or Swedish fish, juju fish, I could go on for mm -hmm. days. But Yeah, and sugar is also like a huge contributor to the belly fat, especially yeah. if it's like an artificial sweetener because our body doesn't recognize it. So it's like, I don't even know what to do with this. And apple just doesn't taste the same, right? Like, <laughs> I know that I, has natural sugar, but come on, people. You can almost, though, train your body to think differently. Because right. I, I found that one, when I was, like, younger and I had all those bad habits, like, that just didn't... Um, like eating an apple just didn't do it for me. But when I cut all of that junk out and I, I no longer really had like a, not, a, not even an addiction, but like a craving for it. Like I can look at candy that I used to love and I have zero interest in eating it. And even like looking at it sometimes making, makes me feel like sick. But now like eating an apple sometimes could almost feel too sweet sometimes. Hmm. Okay. And you know what's interesting about the candy thing? As I've gotten older, so to play back into this age thing, if I eat oh, too yeah. much candy the next day, I feel like I have like a, a hangover from alcohol. 
Yeah. And it happened like once or twice. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is my body telling me I've got to stop. It totally is. Just like in your yoga practice, you got to really listen to what your body is asking you for and telling you. As long you just got to respond ask, differently. Just needs to ask sometime for gummy candy, but just like two or three. <laughs> yeah. So that's feeding more your mind than your, uh, your belly. <laughs> Go to yoga. <laughs> it happens. Well, Kat, this has been awesome. And if you have other questions that you'd like to be answered by Kat, you can direct message me on Instagram at Gina Seminary. Or if you'd like to connect directly with Kat, you can reach her on Facebook at Catherine K. Pluta or on Instagram. Now, this one's not easy at Catherine underscore Pluta, but there are no E's. She replaced the E's with the number three. So that's a tricky one. Pay attention. <laughs> uh, alternatively, if you're listening from Rochester, New York, swing by the Victor Breathe Yoga Studio, and this girl will make you a mean keep it kale green drink to take you through the day. So thanks so much, Kat. Of course. Thank you for having me. Hey, tribe. Thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. Make sure you kick some ass today. Love you.